What's going on, everyone? Welcome back, finally, to WFS, The Will Forbes Show. You might have forgot what this show is. I probably forgot what this show is, but I have officially graduated from Muskingum University uh, and the three-and-a-half-year college journey is over and it's uh, the closing of one chapter and on to the next and the next chapter for me is pouring uh, a lot more time dedication and energy into this podcast and building it up to where it once was it wasn't a huge podcast but it certainly um, was doing a lot better than than it is right now because I haven't done anything in the past two month or so and really this whole semester I think I've only done maybe one or two podcasts and so um, I am back the Will Ford show is back and uh, right now I'm in the process of completing a studio I have some studio foam padding to put up on the walls once that's done I'm going to give it a, a little test and see what the sound is like in there and then I'm going to start recording my podcast from in there uh, and doing some video content in there as well and um, really this is this is it for me right now. I, I don't plan to, to get a job, you know, a full-time job really anytime very soon. Uh, my plan is to um, continue working for Stroid Rivals, doing some games hopefully over the next couple of months, basketball. Um, and then I'm going to go back to the wilds for one more summer. Uh, that's my plan right now. Obviously, plans can change as time goes on, but that's the plan right now, and we'll see where it goes and where it takes us. But we got four weeks left in the NFL season. You know, obviously the NBA is in full swing, but I really want to talk about the NFL just because I it's the sport that I love covering the most. I love talking about the most. And there are just a couple things. I know I'm obviously really late to the party on, on some of this stuff just because I haven't done an episode in the last couple of weeks. But um, what we're going to talk about today, um, two teams, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to talk about their quarterbacks as well, Ben Roethlisberger and Dak Prescott. Let's dive in, uh, starting off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger on Thursday Night Football last week against the Minnesota Vikings, two teams, you know, around the same record. You know, I think the at the time Steelers were 6-5-1 and one, and the, the uh, Vikings were 6-6 six and six, or maybe 5-6, five, five and six, whatever it was. I don't know. But two teams that are kind of in the playoff picture, in the hunt, um, for a wild card spot, really a must have it game for both teams. Both teams still managed to find themselves in it after that game, so wasn't all that important. But you know, both teams really kind of wanted that win just to really help them out a little bit. And the Vikings ended up winning thirty six to twenty eight. And if you didn't watch that game, you would see that score, and you're like, "Wow, that must have been a really good game on Thursday Night Football on Fox." But uh, first half, it actually really wasn't. It was a great game for the Vikings. They were up 23 to nothing at halftime. Dalvin Cook, a um, couple touchdowns, over, I think, 150 yards rushing or something like that. He ended up finishing with over 200 yards rushing. But the Vikings, they've played in so many close games this year, one possession games, and it's really been a coin flip either way. They either win or lose. They, they, they've struggled in, in games like that this year, and they had a huge lead against the Steelers and basically gave it up. Um, and almost lost. It really came down to the last possession. Ben Roethlisberger had a throw going into the end zone that was broken up by Harrison Smith, and uh, they would have needed the two-point try to tie anyhow. But Vikings hang on, Steelers go down. But I just want to say that 
that game, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has been kind of given, he's received a lot of flack over the last couple of years. A lot of people are saying he doesn't have it anymore. He's not the same quarterback he once was. And, and really that's true. He, he doesn't move as well as he used to. I mean, at his size, he used to be able to move really well. And he was one of the toughest quarterbacks to get down on the ground. And obviously he's, his mobility has decreased. He's a little bit more injury prone. But upstairs, you know, above the shoulders, I mean, he is still one of the smartest quarterbacks ever. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, probably first ballot. He's he's one of the, the all-time greats playing quarterback. And to be honest with you, that game was a loss. I know Ben's not in his prime. But I do think that that might have been the best game that I've ever seen Ben Roethlisberger play. I know it's a loss. I know the stat line isn't phenomenal. Yeah, he did throw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, did have a pick. But the reason I say that this is one of the greatest games that Ben Roethlisberger has ever played, his offensive line is terrible. Absolutely terrible. They drafted Najee Harris in the first round of running back. And Najee Harris is a great back. He's been phenomenal for them this year. And I, I think he's really a do-it-all kind of back. He can obviously run between the tackles. He can run east-west on the outside, off-tackle. He can catch out of the backfield, very athletic, very quick. He can also step up in pass protection. So I really think he's a complete back right away. He's, I think he's already a top 10 back in football. I Really, with a guy like that, as talented as he is, you, you have to take the running back spot. But then they really needed to address offensive line. They didn't do a great job of that. Their O-line, not good. Ben Roethlisberger was sacked five times. There was seven QB hits by the Vikings defense. But it really felt like more than that. I mean, there were instances during the game where Ben would take the snap out of shotgun. And literally, you know, ideally, you want the ball to come out around two seconds or so, right? But, I mean, Ben was getting sacked in less than a second. And a lot of times, the Vikings were only coming with four. They weren't blitzing uh, in some instances. There was one instance. It was a three-man rush. And two Steelers offensive linemen were double-teaming one. One was blocking another. The The right tackle was blocking someone on the edge. And in the interior, there were three guys, or excuse me, two guys doing nothing. You know, one was doing, so there was two guys double teaming, one blocking on the outside. And there was two guys in the middle doing nothing, just looking around. And there was someone in Ben's face. Uh, and it might have been, I don't I forget who it was. But, I mean, it was a three-man rush. And Ben had no time to do anything. Um, that's, you know, five on three. That's five hats on three hats. That's pretty bad. Ben was pressured a lot in that first half and somehow managed to rally the troops, get his guys to come back, made it a game at the end, and just couldn't quite get it done. They might have, they, they could have had one more play had Chase Claypool not been a complete dope celebrating you know there's like 30 seconds left and he celebrates a first down and instead of rushing you know to hand the ball to a referee and put it on the line even in the press conference he blamed his his own teammates his, his offensive lineman for knocking the ball out of his hand like what are you talking about bro why you don't celebrate a first down when it's an urgent situation two minute drill like that that's you just don't do that and to me if that if i'm coach tomlin you know you'd You'd probably bench him. I would bench him the first half of the next game. Like they, You can't do that stuff. That's tough. But quite honestly, the best game I, I've ever seen Ben Roethlisberger play, given the adversity, given that he is not as physically gifted 
as he once was. And he was able to do that, down 23 at halftime, down 29 at one point during the second half. That, and they almost got it done. So tip my hat to, to Ben Roethlisberger. Sacked five times, seven QB hits, pressured a lot. It was a really good game from him. Now the Steelers are sitting at 6-6-1 you know, six, six and one as we head into Week 15. And you look at the remaining schedule for them. Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens. It's a pretty tough schedule. It's pretty tough. Obviously the Titans are a little banged up. Uh, I, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of steal a win. Titans are 9-4. and four. They're still managing to win games without Derrick Henry and their receivers and whatnot. But that's going to be a that's going to be a game that the Steelers are going to have to be competitive in, win that one. Kansas City, winners of six straight right now. Their defense over the last two months has probably been the best in football, which is surprising because if you had asked me at the beginning of the year if the Chiefs' defense would be the best in anything, um, maybe it would be points allowed. But um, they've been playing really well. The offense kind of been hit and miss, a little spitter spatter, but That'll be a tough game for the Steelers. And, of course, the Browns and Ravens are division games. And uh, you know, I guess you'll see. I mean, they beat the Ravens a couple weeks ago. Ravens, you know, Lamar Jackson, we'll see you know how he is. He injured his ankle against the Browns. I'm sure by that time he'll be okay. But Steelers, I think, have a chance to maybe win two out of the next four games and potentially make the playoffs as a – outside wild card like six or seven seed so we'll see moving on though to the Dallas Cowboys yes they sit at nine and four but I don't feel good about it reason I don't feel very good about it is because Dak Prescott there's just something wrong something's up with Dak Prescott I can't quite put my finger on it he just kind of looks dazed and confused out there Um, I I just think the efficiency the decision making it's been way below par you know, when you look at a guy like Dak Prescott, he's someone who doesn't turn the ball over, usually has a high completion percentage, may not get you, you know, a lot of yards per play, yards per pass, um, or have a bunch of 500-yard games. I mean, he's certainly capable of it. But you expect the efficiency and the decision-making to be, you know, on par, even if the, the numbers don't blow you away. But if you look at Dak Prescott, on the season, you know, he is fourth in completion percentage overall. It's um, 68%, almost 69%, 3,381 yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 picks, though. And 10 interceptions, you know, not great. He had two picks against the Washington football team. But if you look at the last, I don't know, six games for Dak Prescott, you start off with that week nine game against the Denver Broncos where they lost 30 to 16 and they were down 30 to nothing at one point. Dak only completed 49% of his passes through a pick. Um, he was sacked twice, 232 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. I mean, when you look at that completion percentage though, 19 of 39, not really good against a Denver defense that doesn't blow you away. They're not dominant. And, of course, they got the big win against the Atlanta Falcons, 43-3, to and dominated them. Dak was really solid in that game, 77% completion, no picks, wasn't sacked at all. But then now we kind of dip back down into uh, 
into some subpar play against the Kansas City Chiefs. 65% completion, which isn't all that terrible, but uh, no touchdowns and two picks. Uh, 57 rating. He was sacked five times. That certainly doesn't help against the Las Vegas Raiders on Thanksgiving. Actually played really well. Was only sacked once, 375 yards passing, two touchdowns, but they had to play from behind a lot. And I always feel Dak Prescott plays a little bit better with a lead. He can certainly win, uh, He's certainly capable of manufacturing game-winning drives, but when you have to play from behind, can make it a little difficult. But a good game from him there. These last two games, though, against New Orleans, 65% completions, only 238 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked once. Rating of 79, though, not a fantastic performance. And against Washington, he was terrible. Cowboys were up big. It was mostly because of their defense, and I'll dive into the defense here in a minute. 22 of 39 passing for only 56% completions. 211 yards, one touchdown, two picks. One of these picks, I mean, both picks were actually terrible. Um, Looking for C.D. Lamb over the middle on the first one, and just let the throw hang. And, you know, sometimes you have throws like that where it just kind of gets away from you. And threw it just right over C.D. Lamb. I mean, C.D. couldn't do anything to bring that down, and it was picked off by Landon Collins. And then the other one, it was late in the game. The Cowboys were up 14 with like five minutes left. I think game's over. And it's a little play-action bootleg. And right off the rip, as soon as Prescott comes out of that that play-action um, on the rollout. I mean, Dalton Schultz is wide open across the middle, and instead he rolls out a little bit more and then decides to set his feet and throw. Well, by that time, there was a defender in, that had got his, he moved his way in front of Dalton Schultz. And really, if you throw put some touch on it, you lob it over top, that's a completion for 20 yards, maybe more. He decides to throw a really a dart to him. Didn't even see him. Uh, but if he throws it right away... It's a completion, big gain. You can salt the game away, and instead it's picked off. Can't make the tackle, and it's a pick six. And all of a sudden, it's a seven-point game with you know a couple minutes left. The Cowboys were able to manage to win somehow. But Dak just seems off, and every time he makes a mistake, he comes off the field, and he just looks really confused. And I just don't know if there's something psychologically wrong. I don't know if he maybe he's a little dinged up. That calf is still bothering him a little bit. I don't know. But Dak doesn't look right. What I will say, though, is that this defense has been phenomenal for the Cowboys. The defense has forced 27 turnovers this year. 20 of them have been interceptions. That's near the top in the NFL, of course. You know, Trayvon Diggs has nine picks this year. Um, I think early in the season he was probably up there for defensive player of the year. Probably not going to get defensive player of the year, but certainly he's going to get some votes, I'm sure. Another guy, though, on the Cowboys that is that could very well win. He's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, but could even win Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie. Micah Parsons is 12 sacks. He's had at least a sack in the last six games. He's two and a half sacks away from breaking the NFL rookie sack record. It was set by Javon Curse. Um, fun fact, Javon Curse is actually the uncle of Cowboys defensive back J. Ron Curse. But the rookie sack record sits at 14 and a half. And Parsons, you know, with four games left, he's really close. It'd be a shame if he didn't get it. But 
I do think Parsons right now is a lock for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And if he were to win Defensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year, uh, the last time that that was done by a defensive player was the great Lawrence Taylor, Hall of Famer, played for the New York Giants, two Super Bowls. He was Defensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year in 1981. 13 and a half sacks this year. Parsons is a sack and a half away from that. I think is probably going to break the the rookie sack record of Javon Kurse. Micah Parsons is exactly, I, I think he's exactly like a DeMarcus Ware. I, I, I genuinely believe that, and DeMarcus Ware will be a Hall of Famer. Parsons is so good. And I, admittedly, at the time when we drafted Parsons, you know, I wasn't happy because, you know, our, the two corners that I wanted to get, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan, were taken before us by Carolina and Denver. And so that left us in a in a tough spot. And so I was thinking, well, our offensive line has kind of been breaking down. You know, Tyron Smith isn't getting any younger and he's been getting injured. Uh, Zach Martin's getting a little up there in age, although he's probably one of the best offensive linemen in football still. And then you have Lyle Collins, who is good, but he's in and out of the lineup sometimes. Why not go get Rashawn Slater from Northwestern and you're set up like you could put Rashawn Slater at right tackle, move Lyle Collins to left guard where he first played when he came into the Dallas Cowboys. And then once Tyron Smith is eventually done, you can move Rashawn Slater from right tackle to left tackle. If Lyle Collins is still around, you move him back to right ta- right tackle. You you move it around, but Rashawn Slater would have been really a cornerstone offensive line piece to kind of rebuild what was once the best offensive line in football and maybe one of the best offensive lines ever that the Cowboys had, you know, from like 2014 to 2018. Uh, but then we took Micah Parsons. And, like, Parsons is a great player, obviously. I knew he was great. I knew he would be good for our defense. But at the time, I just didn't see it as a position of need because we had Leighton Vanderesh, We had Jalen Smith. And, you know, I, I just thought, yeah, if it's not corner, let's go get an offensive lineman. And I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm wrong in thinking that. But obviously Parsons has been fantastic. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Of course I would have taken Micah Parsons now, knowing what he's doing. But Rashawn Slater would have also been a great pick because I think he, he's going to be an all-pro tackle at this level. So Parsons has been great. And he's going to be defensive rookie of the year. We'll see if he gets defensive player of the year come year's end. That'll do it for me, though. Episode 146 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. It is back. And uh, I'm so glad uh, to be doing this again. Graduated from college after a long three-and-a-half-year journey. And uh, now my energy goes into this. A studio will be done here in the next couple of weeks, and I'll be recording from in there. I'm going to be doing a lot more shows, hopefully bringing on a lot more guests if I can, and we're going to have a good time, and uh, this now becomes my life, uh, at least for a little while, and then I don't plan on getting a full-time job anytime soon, but if it happens, it happens, but I'm going to do my best to stay with you as always. I'm sorry I've been hit and miss the last four months, five months, but I promise I'm back and I'm here to stay. I'll see you in episode 147. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show. 